0: Hello, everyone, and welcome into To The Point Podcast. Everybody's doing well this evening. Uh, We have the pleasure tonight to be joined by former GM, uh, president, and uh, I don't know if he's still uh, part of the Florida Panthers fan club, but uh, they're certainly playing well down (laughs) there in South Florida, uh, PEI's own uh, Doug McLean. Uh, Doug, uh, so great of you to take the time to talk to me again. I, I really appreciate it.
1: No problem, Noah. No problem.
0: Um. Are you, uh, are you like the 72 Dolphins in that uh, you only want your Panthers to be the the team to get to the Stanley Cup final? Or do you still uh, (laughs) find yourself rooting for the, for the Panthers this season?
1: You know what? It's funny, you know, it's been a long time since I was with them and, you know, you play against them over the years and, you know, after you leave a place, you're still, you still have great memories and fond memories of the players, but I. You know, I actually, I just talked to Randy Moeller, who was a VP there a couple of weeks ago, actually to get a buddy of mine, some free tickets. So, uh, (laughs) you know, and I, 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 I would like to see them do well, to be quite honest. It's been a tough grind. I mean, the last 20 years here have been a disaster. And then I, you know, I watched them play Columbus the other night. I watched them play another game a few nights ago, and there's 10,000 people in the building. I don't get it. They're a heck of a team, great talent playing so well, yet the building is still empty. I mean, the fans, they've got to have a playoff run here. They've got to. The, the excitement here when we went to the Stanley Cup final was over the top, but they, they've they been cheated, the fans, the last 20 years. And uh, they need a playoff run. And if they get that, the fans will come back. But it's frustrating to watch. But they have a heck of a team. Gold tenant still bothers me. Bobrovsky hasn't got it ever done. Can he? We'll see. I think he, with the run support he's got with this way, the way this team scores, they should be really tough to to beat in the playoffs. So I'm hoping that they'll, uh, that they'll have a run.
0: Yeah. You mentioned Bobrovsky. Um, How tough is it? When do you know that you have a franchise goaltender? When in your career did you say, okay, I feel comfortable with my goaltending now?
1: Well, you know, it's funny how it goes. I was comfortable with a lot of goaltenders. Van Beesbrook in Florida was... He was a franchise goalie in, in those days. You know, he never hardly had a bad game. And in the playoffs, he was outstanding. I mean, he, bat, he battled, uh, you know, he beat out the Bruins. He beat out the Penguins. He beat out the Flyers, lost to Colorado in a heck of a series in a matchup with him and Patrick Waugh. He was unbelievable. But, you know, in Columbus, uh, I had Tugnut early on when we started the franchise the first year. I, I It's funny. I was looking the other day. Seattle are on pace to do or have around 60 points with the, with the DLA had to set up their expansion team, the same rules as Vegas. Ours were ridiculous what me, Minnesota and us went through. And we had 71 points in our first year and they'd be lucky to get 60 this year. I, I, I have a hard time figuring that out, but Tugnut was really good. Mark Denis and, Le, and LeClaire, I thought were gonna be great young goaltenders. Uh, didn't really turn out that way. Leclerc was bad injuries and just an unbelievable talent the year before he he got hurt he had nine shutouts and looked like he was going to be a, a terrific young goaltender but injuries caught up to him and Mark Denis it, you know I, Mark was a good goalie he just wasn't a great one so I, I you know that was the way it was it tough to find franchise goalies I watched Demko last night for Vancouver I mean this kid playing the uh, Rangers he was unbelievable in that game. And he's been like that for a long time. Markstrom's given Calgary a chance to win. You know, uh, but if you look at other teams and I'm saying, okay, who's going to win in the playoffs? Like, you know, Shusterkin with the Rangers has been fabulous for Juard, but who's going to win at playoff time? Bobrovsky hasn't got it done. Kemper hasn't got it done. You know who's really going to get it done at playoff time jack campbell that makes me nervous i mean mm. you go around the loop and you say who's got the experience to really take a team a long way at playoff time nobody's showing it uh you know other than the the flurries and a few guys you know
0: yeah no it, it's and so price
1: tough. obviously price
0: you know? right yeah um you mentioned jack campbell in there uh he's you know he's got a 877 save percentage since January 1st, which is bottom five in the NHL. Um, Unbelievable. Yeah. Where, how do you view the Leafs? Obviously they're in a division w- with a, the Panthers who you, who you follow closely. Between Tampa, Florida, Toronto, where's your hierarchy of those three? Well, like if you're
1: going to, let's say they go against Tampa, which is very, a very high chance that they're going to play Tampa in the first round. And you've got, You've got Vasilevsky, you've got Hedman, you've got Kucherov and Point, and you know, these, these experienced Stanley Cup winners. You look right away and you say Campbell, goal tenant in Tampa. It's not even close. Can Toronto outscore Tampa? Maybe. Can they out defend Tampa? I mean, it depends what Dubas does at the day. Look, Toronto's a good team. Don't, don't get me wrong. They're a good team. Their goaltending has not shown anything. They went into the playoffs last year against Montreal with a goalie who had never hardly played an NHL playoff game in Jack. I felt, I felt sorry for him, and he's going head-to-head with Carey Price. You know, you know, he's going to go head-to-head with two-time Stanley Cup winner in Tampa. He's going to go head-to-head with Bobroski if it's Florida. That's, that's a, and a, a blue line to me that's young and not deep enough. And a great group of forwards. Still scared of their third line. You know how important third lines are in the Stanley Cup playoffs? We saw it last year with Gord's line. We see it every year. We see it every year. Uh, we saw Coleman. We saw, you know, these guys play so great. And I look at this third line in Toronto and i like, Case? Cash, Case? Whatever the hell his name is. You know, and these guys thinking like, what have they ever done? You know, they're I know they've had good regular seasons. So, there's a lot of questions about the Leafs and I'm going to be anxious to see what Dubas does it at, uh, at the trade deadline. Cause he's got a couple of holes to fill and he's got a little money with muzzing out maybe. So it'll be, it'll be fun to watch what he does, but I don't think he can do anything with his gold. I mean, can he go and get flurry? Well, if he does, he's not getting a defenseman. Right. So that's the challenge. It's not easy. I feel for them.
0: You know, going into a postseason season actually, I
1: don't feel for them. I really don't <laughs> care. I mean, to be quite honest I don't really care is that because you're so
0: sick of talking to them about them at sportsnet
1: no I, I like talking about them I have to really I like I like Kyle I don't know Sheldon at all but I know Kyle and I like Kyle and I you know I I know Marner a little bit I mean there's some really good kids there I love Morgan Riley I I don't I shouldn't say I don't care but I really don't care anymore I just I'm anxious to watch some good hockey and see what happens you know
0: right When you were in the league, was it more important for you to have a a strong four group going into a postseason or a strong defense core? If you had to pick one.
1: Oh, the the defense core is so critical. I mean, you look at what Hedman and McDonough have done, Sergachev. Uh, you know, on and on. Uh, you know, they've been really, really a top-notch blue line. They've, they, you know, they've added guys at the deadline that have helped them as far as defense. But I, I think the defense is so critical. I mean, it helps the goal and the goaltender helps the defense. But you need a, you need a heavy blue line. Look, but look what that blue line in Montreal did with the way Weber stepped up, and Petrie stepped up, and Chara stepped up. And a number of guys stepped up for them last year. Edmondson, I mean, look, look at the way that group played in front of Carey Price, who was terrific. So to me, and defense is, is the number one. And, you know, I mean, Tampa have everything. Florida look like they have everything. I'm not, they're not deep enough in the blue line for me, the Panthers right now. So we'll see if they add a checker or what they try to do there. Um, so defense is, to me, is critical.
0: Who's your favorite player to watch in the NHL? You
1: know, I, I, I got to tell you, I, I mean, everybody loves watching uh, McDavid. I mean, I, I I love watching Austin Matthews, the way he's performed, what he does in uh, 200 feet. Uh, you know, you saw the great takeaway and scored the big goal mm-hmm. against Minnesota the other night. I mean, you, the guy does it all over the ice, big goals, exciting plays plays hard I, I I like him and to me you know this is a big test this playoff for him Marner is the great playmaker I love watching Marner play as well I love the the vision and the way he competes penalty killing power play whatever uh, those are guys that I really like watching is there anybody else that I really like uh I kind of, I'm kind of enjoying watching Panarin, you know, with, with, with at the Rangers. I love watching Fox, the smarts he Mm -hmm. brings to the table. So there's a lot of guys. I mean, I, I, I like watching, I love watching Sean Corrales in Columbus, what he's done for that hockey team. You know, he comes in from the Bruins where he's a fourth liner. Now he's playing 20 minutes a game and he plays with heart and soul. I've known him since he was eight years of age. And I just admire what he's brought to the table and what they think of him in Columbus. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, you, you, you love talent, but you really love like grinders and guys that pay a price and guys that'll do anything to win and guys that appreciate being in the NHL. Those, those are guys that I, I love watching.
0: Yeah. I thought your blue jackets got screwed last night on that Crosby goal. I don't think that should have counted. Well, you know,
1: it's, it's really tough. And I'll tell you why. When you come out of the blue paint, as a goaltender uh, you're in trouble and you're against an experienced guy like Crosby. Um, You know, I, I, I was 50, 50 on the call, but then when I saw him so far out of the paint, I I agreed with it at the end. I agreed that he, you know, you, if you start, when you come out of the paint as a goaltender, all bets are off. And that's what he did, you know? So anyway, tough, it was a tough break, but listen, you, you watch the Pittsburgh Penguins, and I, I, you look and you go, Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. Those three guys have played together on the Pittsburgh Penguins power play for the last 16 years. I said that to Jeff Rimmer the other day in Columbus. I said, you got to talk about this. The guys talked about it the other day in the game. 16 years. They, they certainly should know how to move the puck around on a power play when you've been together for 16 years on every power play right pretty, it, it's pretty good to watch you know
0: you must be happy with Pittsburgh's success obviously with uh, with your with your good buddy Berkey uh, running the show down there yeah look
1: I, I, Berkey uh, I haven't talked to him well, probably in a month or so I mean, he, he sends me a, he must have me in his role in his phone that he sends me a message every six weeks and it says how are you doing and <laughs> then I respond to him what I'm doing. And then I don't hear for another six weeks. So he really doesn't give a shit how I'm doing. He just must have it as a, as an automatic to send it to me. Right. So uh, I'm, I'm happy for him. Berkey's had a tough road, you know, with all the tough situations, family wise, it's just, it's been really tough for him and he's just a, he's a good guy. We had dinner here in Florida. He came down last year. We had dinner here together one night. So we've, we've had a lot of laughs over the years y'all and a lot of yelling matches over the years but I'm happy for him but the guy that I just marvel at is is Sid Crosby I'm telling you i I just watch this guy play and the way he plays the game the integrity he brings to the game the the people he's played with and brought along in his career as wingers I mean what you know what can you say about Sid other than and you know what it was one of the greatest compliments i I ever got when I was doing uh, TV in Toronto. Sid used to listen to Hockey Central at noon because he thought that we were real. We were real hockey guys talking hockey. And he you absolutely were. loved it. And, and he loved it. And I thought, I remember Colby Armstrong telling me that. And I thought, geez, that's a, that's a pretty nice uh, compliment that Mac and Kippy talk, talk real about the game. And it's kind of a nice But I mean, I just marvel at the kid. I watched him skate with my son. A number of year, years ago, I went down at seven in the morning to watch him skate with a bunch of college and Quebec major and minor pro guys. And I watched him on the ice with a bunch of young guys and a bunch of kids his age. And he just he's just a special guy. And I, I'll i tell you what, he brings his team along. They have no business being where they are. And he brings them along, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, he hes something incredible. And even Kenny uh, yeah. Melkins founded his game again. Since coming back from injury, yeah. he looked He's looked really good as well. Um, do you see Pittsburgh as a real threat to winning the Stanley Cup, or are they outside looking in for you?
1: Uh, I, I've got them outside. Look, they're, they're, they may play the Rangers in the first round,
0: and I, you
1: know, the Rangers are younger in, in some areas. Um, the Rangers, I mean, who are you going to take? Shusterkin with the way he played. Now, playoffs are a whole different story right jari was horrible last year in the playoffs just horrible in the playoffs i watched him the last two games he's you know the smith played last night but the other night against the rangers in that one nothing game jari was unbelievable he went toe-to-toe with just i just worry about their goal tenant and again a little bit of their depth but i'll tell you what sullivan's a hell of a coach this guy's a hell of a coach he's been seven years in pittsburgh He's done a really good job. They play hard. And I think that's a combination of Sullivan and Sid, obviously they play hard and they compete. So that's going to be a heck of a series. I wouldn't want to pick the winner if that's the first round matchup with uh, the Rangers and Pittsburgh. Cause Shesterkin is a star. They got some talent in New York. Shesterkin's really been the story there. Gerard's done a nice job, but Shesterkin has really been the story of that franchise. I mean, I watched a lot of Ranger games. They've had a lot of nights where they had no business winning, and he's he's been that good in goals. So as Turk said to me, Juard said to me one night, he said, hey, our goalies really saved us, you know, making me look good. And I said, Juard, Van Beesbrook made me look good 20 years ago. Take it when you can get it, man, and don't right. open your mouth about it. Just take <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Daryl Sutter saying the same thing in Calgary. Oh, oh you know? yeah. Listen,
1: listen, he, he, you got Markstrom out there. Markstrom was a superstar in Vancouver for what, five years? I mean, he dragged that team along too. And he's available, and the two teams bidding for him are Calgary and Edmonton. Kenny Holland comes in, and and for Kenny to not get Markstrom, man, oh man, has that cost them? Has that imagine if Edmonton had Markstrom right now? And those are the two final bidders for him, uh, yep. from what I was told. And I mean, that's, that's how tough it is when you don't have goaltending. Demko, I understand what Vancouver are doing. They had her, you know, they, they couldn't get them done, but geez, they had Demko coming. Demko looks like a star. Kid sent me a note last night. Should, should Edmonton offer three first round picks to, for Demko? And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? They're going to give the, they're going to give Edmonton Demko for three first round picks. <laughs> no chance. I mean, he's a six foot four star yeah who's going to be their goalie for the next 10 years how hard are these guys to find so you know what and uh yeah the the goaltending is such a critical part so yeah it'll be fun to watch what happens but but kenny holland is kicking his ass right now for not getting that deal done i'll tell you what because there's very few guys
0: out there do you think the tippet firing was justified
1: i didn't like it i mean uh you know, Tip's been around a long time. I, I It's funny. I hired Dave King. ahead of Tippett in, uh, in Columbus. Hard to believe 20 years ago or so that I hired Dave. Dave Tippett and Dave King were my two finalists for the job, and I hired I hired Dave King. And I remember my owner telling me when I told him I was going to hire uh, King, he said, I would have went with the other guy. I would have went with the young guy. Tippett was coaching in Houston in the IHL at that time. So he's had a great career. I didn't like it. I I think Kenny would not have liked it. Kenny Holland would not have liked doing that. That would be a a situation where we have to do something. And the owner probably told him to get rid of them. That's 90% of the time. It's the owner who tells the GM to fire the coach because they can't, the owners can't take the pressure of, of the media and the people barking at them and their buddies, their barber and their accountant and you know, their golf buddies barking at them about their team. So they typically that's who fires coaches. A lot of people think it's a GM. I call bullshit on it.
0: Yeah. How, how difficult is that to kind of be the middleman between the owner and, and the coach that you have to be the bearer of bad news and you take the brunt of it in the media when you, when you make such a big decision.
1: It happened to me three or four times. And, um, and you know what I, there was only one time I told the the coach that I had no choice because the owner made me fire. him. And that's when I fired Gerard Gallant in Columbus. And I said to Gerard, cause we went back to when he was 10 years of age and I said, Gerard, I've got no choice. I got a call last night and he told me to fire you this morning and I'm fi- I fought him as hard as I could. And there's not a chance I could do anything about it. And I said, but Gerard, I am not going to say that. And I can't have you say that, you know, we'll stay good friends. And, you know, but the other guys I fired, you stand there and you take the heat. I got ripped for higher, for firing Dave King. I got ripped for firing Gerard. And you know what? Both times I was told to fire them. And yeah, that's fine. That's that you, the owner owns a team. He can do whatever he wants, you know, and I'm going to Columbus on Saturday. I'm flying to Columbus Friday for Rick Nash's retirement night. So I'm kind of excited about that, but. Uh, it'll be good to see some old friends. So I probably will get booed out of the building, but I'm going to be there anyway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How, uh, yeah, Rick, I forgot. I knew that was coming up, but how, um, I mean, that's gotta be pretty special for you to say that you took Rick Nash first overall. I mean, the guy, the guy's a special player played at the Olympics. I mean, uh, do you take pride in in the career that he ultimately had?
1: Well, you know what? It's funny. I, it was a funny story. I mean, I, we went into that draft with the third pick and, uh, the night before the draft, I made a trade with Rick Dudley and the Panthers to move up to number one. And, uh, Dudley moved to number three. I moved to number one. I, I remember interviewing Rick Nash in my, in the, uh, in my suite the night before the draft. And <clears throat> I said, uh, Rick, are you going to be there at three? And he said, no, I'm not going to be there at three. He said, you better go get me. That's what he said to me as an 18 year old in my room. Wow. In, in front of my in front of my scouts so he walked out of the interview which was we had interviewed him many many times and watched him over the two years he walked out of the room and I looked at my my staff and they said we got to try to get him because we were nervous you know uh, Dudley Florida had the first pick Atlanta had the second pick and I had the third pick and uh, Bobby Clark had moved up to four with, he got Tampa's pick and got the four and I knew he wanted Nash I knew Berkey wanted Nash. I knew McPhee wanted Nash. There was a lot of guys who wanted him. So I phoned duds and we did the deal at one o'clock in the morning and uh, you know, it was finalized at 10 the next morning, but uh, we, we, and the weird thing was flip picks. He gave me his first pick. I gave my third. And the deal was we would flip the next year again. The next year we finished. We we're one spot apart at the end of the year, wow. and Duds and Duds won the lottery. We ended up getting Nash for nothing, and right. Duds and Duds paid a third and a fourth round pick to Atlanta not to take Easter in the two spot. So it was kind of bizarre how that that uh, that trade turned out. But anyway, I love Rick Nash, and I ever I get ripped by everybody. But he, this is a kid that at 19 years of age won the. Rocket Richard trophy with 44 goals, I believe it was in a, in his second year in the NHL playing on an expansion team and he wins the Rocket Richard, you know, concussions ended his career early, but he, he just a wonderful guy. And I was thinking about it the other day. I, when I moved to Columbus in 1999, there was 700 kids and people playing youth hockey. 700 kids and adults playing youth, playing hockey in Columbus, Ohio. Wow. And I talked to the guy that I had hired to set up our AAA program when I was there. I talked to him the other night. And I said, how many kids are playing youth hockey in Columbus, Ohio? And he said, youth hockey, men's hockey, there's 7,500 people, kids and adults playing hockey in Columbus, Ohio. That's what Rick Nash did. The excitement around Nash and the Blue Jackets Turned it into a hockey town. They got um, umpteen NHLers playing that come up through their AAA program. They've got a, it's a, it, they, they do draw great crowds. It's been a good franchise. Now they got to win. So it's, it, it, it's, it's going to be a, a fun night. I, I'm really proud of him. And he's a, just a wonderful human being, great family man. And now he's in their management with the Blue Jacks. I think the world of the kid.
0: Um, Building off, you have 7,500 kids playing in the area. You look at Arizona, another, you know, quote-unquote small market team. Yeah. They're going to be playing at a 5,000-seat arena in Arizona State um, coming next year. Is As a guy that was inside the game, is, is, is it as embarrassing as it is from an outsider here just looking at it from afar?
1: I, I think it's embarrassing. Like, you know, Gary Bettman said, um, well, we've had this happen before. No, no, just a minute. It was in the late 80s when it happened before. Tampa played in the fairgrounds, a 10,000 seat building. And they played in a ballpark that was 50 or 60,000. And Ottawa played in the, you know, the 67s building, which was 9,000. And I mean, we've had it. San Jose played in the fairgrounds. I mean, but that was in the late 80s, and the early 90s. This is 2020. We got a salary cap and we got a 5,000 seat building. And Gary says, well, they're getting the maximum revenue sharing anyway. I said, that's not the point. If they were in a good building in a good location, they'd be making 25 million versus getting 25 from the league, which means it comes 12 and a half from the players and 12 and a half from the owners. It's a joke. Gary is steadfast, not doing anything with Arizona, and they're going to play in a five thousand seat building where they're the second tenant after a, a, Northern Arizona State or Arizona State University hockey team. Good God, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I don't get it.
0: I I, I don't get it either. Other than that being his baby, uh, we do know that. Yeah, um,
1: yeah it seems to be.
0: But he has a Gary. I, I meet
1: Gary here in South Florida. He lives down here with me. He's not even, he doesn't even have a place in Arizona. I don't get it. I mean, he should be looking, you know, looking out for the Panthers more, you know,
0: how, how difficult is it to be in a small market and try to try to attract a, is it all based on getting a competitive team?
1: You know what? It's really, I mean, I, I'll never forget my uh, Clark, my son who's now an agent in Chicago and in his early thirties. And I, I remember him coming home from grade six, our first season in Columbus. He said, dad, it's it's, hockey's not going to work here. They hate hockey. They love football. They love Ohio state. They hate hockey. Dad, it's not going to work. I think, Oh, geez. (laughs) And we laugh about it to this day, but you know what? First three years in Columbus, we were sold out. It was a, it was a fad. It was a novelty. Um, You know, the first year, as I said, we had 71 points and we finished ahead of Minnesota, which was our sort of expansion rival. But it was tough because Ohio State are a machine. A hundred thousand fans live and die with them. It's a football state. It was a grind. Trust me. It was a grind. And, uh, you know, the the media gave us lots of attention, but Ohio State was a baby. So it, it was a, it was a tough it was a tough uh you know, we were there, I was there 11 years from when I went there to start building the building, to picking the jerseys, to picking the colors, to hiring the mascot. It was like an unbelievable experience to hire 250 people to work for the Blue Jackets. It was just a, it was an amazing experience that I'll never forget, but it was tough. Let me tell you.
0: Um, as a you look at a team like a Montreal or an Ottawa, who's clearly a seller going into a trade deadline. How did you approach it as a GM to get the most that you could for all the, for all the players that you knew you were going to eventually deal?
1: Well, it was a little different because we were, you know, an expansion younger team, you know, most of the time, or, you know, the bottom of the league. And, and typically a trade deadline for me was, was moving out money to, you know, to pacify, you know, our bottom line. Um, so it was moving, moving out some good players and it was moving out big contracts. I remember I traded Daryl Sidor because, you know, we, he was owed 8 million bucks. And, you know, I traded Jeff Sanders and he was a 40 goal scorer, but he was, I knew he was really slipping and I, I made a good deal. I traded him for Chimera uh, in Arizona. Chimera played another 10 years or more, but it was, it was, uh the the difference today is, and it was a little bit the same as you got guys that were restrict or unrestricted. I look at Pat Burbeek in Anaheim. Mm-hmm. You look at you look at Forsburg in Nashville. How do you if you can't you go to the nth degree to sign them? Because they're your best players. But if you can't get them signed, how can you afford to let Nate Manson walk out there and Raquel walk out there and Forsberg walk for nothing. You, you can't justify that. You just can't justify that. So you've got to get assets back to, and, it, and as tough as it is, but what does David Poyle do? You know, Forsberg's his best forward. They're probably going to make the playoffs. And then he goes into the playoffs with no Forsberg and doesn't have them next year. You know, in that market, that's, it's, it's really tough. And Verbeek's up against it, Poil's up against it, Chuck Fletcher's up against it with Giroux. I mean, they're tough decisions, really tough decisions. And you don't sleep at night thinking about them, let me tell you. I hated trading guys. I, I, I hated trading guys. I mean, it was the guys is you'd think it wouldn't be in Columbus. But I remember when I traded Daryl Sedor to Tampa Bay, he was actually crying in my office because he didn't want to go. He loved it there. Todd Marchant didn't want to go. You know, he loved it there. And, you know, then they, and then Daryl goes and wins the Stanley Cup in Tampa. I run into him. I said, I think you were probably a little happy with that deal now, eh?
0: But anyway, (laughs) funny
1: how it goes.
0: (laughs) Is it it tough to trade those guys too? Because, you know, I've heard you talk about before about, you know, about when Panarin left and Bobrovsky how you were kind of ticked because they were saying, you know, they were leaving Columbus and Columbus was getting this mantra of being an undesirable location. Was it tough to trade guys that you knew really enjoyed, you know, being in that, being a part of that team, being part of that community?
1: Yeah. And I mean that that's, you know, I've watched Kekelein and then, you know, I've talked to JD, John Davidson, a lot about it uh, over the years. Columbus is a great city. It's a great, but, but, it's not New York and it's not Chicago and it's not, you know, it's it, it's just not L.A. It's not those cities. It's a great place to live. The, the Blue Jackets are a class organization. They do things right. They've got good ownership, good management. They treat people really well. But it's not New York and it's not the big markets. And. If guys wanna play there, don't wanna play there, it's not a knock on Columbus for me. It's, hey, you're free. You're you're allowed to go wherever you want. I remember phoning Gary Bettman when he, we did the deal, when it went from 31 years of age to 27 years of age to be an unrestricted free agent or seven years pro. And I said, Gary, what, what are we doing? I mean, now we've got 27 year olds walking out the door on us. I mean, you know how tough, I mean, it changed the game dramatically. I mean, look at this. I'm not a Leaf fan, but Austin Matthews is unrestricted in two years' time. Like, what, what? At, at 25, 26 years of age? Unrestricted. Yeah. Like, what? And Marner is unrestricted in three years' time. Where does that put the Leafs if they don't win in the next two years? It's unbelievable that, you know, but that's, that's scary. Gary said to me on the phone, I'm protecting you. You've got them for seven years. It's up for you to keep them after that, not me. That was he, that's what he said to me. And, you know, he's pretty accurate, but
0: anyway. He <laughs> didn't uh, like to hear it at the time.
1: <laughs> no, I didn't like to hear it at the time. Now I really don't care.
0: Do you have a deadline deal that still sticks with you that that just fell through on a positive or, or negative note uh, for yourself?
1: No, you know what I, the, you know, I didn't, I wasn't involved in, I mean, I look, when I was with the Panthers, we made a, we traded a second round pick and ended up getting uh, Ray uh, Ray Shepard who, who scored a ton of big goals in our Stanley cup run. That was years ago. Um, Never really any big, big deals um, that that really affected us one way or the other. Um, uh, it's, it's funny. What about this trade? So I'm in with the Panthers and Brian Murray trades our first pick in the draft for Victor Kozlov. That was a trade. And I was excited about it. Cause I was coaching. We're stumbling a little bit. I had Niedemeyer out and I had some guys out and Victor Kozlov's a six foot five centerman. I'm thinking great. You know, uh, you know, good move. Let's let's go with a little. You know, he was 25 at the time, big strong guy out of out of uh, San Jose, and he was like a third or fifth, third or fourth overall pick in the draft. Big time. Looked like he was going to be a big time player. I get fired the next week in Florida. kozlov plays five seven years in Florida. Never got more than 20 goals. And you know what? That first round pick, who that turned out to be. San Jose traded that pick to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. With Florida's pick. Florida won the lottery that year. Uh. <laughs> won the lottery. The first pick overall. And Tampa had acquired that pick. And it was Vinny LeCavier. So that trade. Victor Kozlov. cost the Panthers vinnie le can you believe that
0: wow wow good know. lesson
1: don't trade first overall first round picks but you know in fairness to brian murray i thought okay we get him. we were we had a pretty good team and we're going to take off and we'll end up being in the middle of the pack you know that was that was the plan so i get fired on the next night after i get fired And they lost 17 in a row after that and finished in last place overall in the NHL. You believe that in the bottom three and won the lottery. You believe Uh, that
0: it's hard to believe. It must be such a shift to go from a coach to GM when it comes to valuing draft picks. Cause I'm sure as a coach, you're like the hell with it. Give me a player that could win today.
1: It really is tough because you know, the coaches I'm looking, you know, with Gerard now and with the Rangers, and obviously there's some rumblings that they're going to try to make a run for JT Miller. Gerard hasn't told me that. And I wouldn't ask him, but I see that being talked about. They need a top six guy. And as a coach, you want the top six guy and you don't care what they pay. You don't care what they really pay, you know, because coaching, if you last a few years, you're really lucky. Um, And you got to win now. So the coaches have got to, the coaches want the deals made. The GM, imagine, you know, Brian Murray with that Vinny LeCavier trade coming back to bite you. You know, seriously. You know, it just, it just, it, it happens so often. It happened with the Toronto Maple Leafs when they traded Cliff Fletcher or Floyd Smith traded for Tom Curvers and gave up the Leafs first pick. And that, pick he gave up turned out to be scott niedemeyer new jersey oh. Oh. played 50 games for the Leafs in his career he passed away by the way he's a great guy but that turned out to be scott niedemeyer hall of fame isn't that unbelievable i mean the Crazy. i've looked back at the draft over the years and it's just frightening when you trade first picks scary business let me tell you
0: right. anyway that, that is But
1: coaches don't care. GMs care. Coaches don't. And owners will come back and say, why'd you do that? Make that move. That, look who it turned out to be.
0: Going going back to uh, Jim Rutherford's side of that, JT Miller having a great season, playing maybe his best hockey of his career. He's under contract for another year. You got Bruce Boudreaux in there. Would, would you move him or... I mean, you're never going to get more value than you would right now, but h- how would you approach that as a general manager?
1: Uh, you, you know, you you don't want to move JT Miller because he's been a valuable guy for the for Vancouver. He's really been a heart and soul type of guy, but he's, he's having a career year. What's he got, 20 goals, 39 assists or something like that. He plays hard. He's a top six guy. I don't think Jimmy's got any choice but to move him. I know it's one more year, and wh- where the value is, the Rangers have them for, or whoever gets them, has them for two two playoff runs. Right. That's really important. And then you know, all bets are off. I if I'm if I'm Vancouver, uh, I'm moving them. I'm moving them. And you know, I would I would keep a Besser before I just because of age. JT is a to me is a better player right now, but uh, Jimmy Rutherford could care less. He will make a trade. For the sake of making a trade if he thinks it's going to help him now or down the road. So i I, I will be shocked if J. T. Miller doesn't end up with the Rangers or with a, a a contending team.
0: We talked about out east. who Who do you like out west? who Who's your favorite to get to this cup final as of right now in the Western Conference?
1: I'm I'm Colorado basically all the way. I mean, I love Calgary, what they're doing. It would be a heck of a run, you know, heck of a matchup if it's Colorado uh, with Markstrom. And, and you know, Markstrom could be a difference maker in that series because he's so good versus Comfort. I mean, I, I, I I'm not sure if I'm not sure if Colorado's goaltending is good enough, but I really like the, the team. I think they play playoff style hockey. They got skill, they got grit. Um, you know, I, I, I like them. And Makar, to me, is one of the great players of the game today. Um, I really like uh, the makeup there. So them, Calgary, I guess you'd have to say, you know, are the two teams that I see being the most dangerous today going into the playoffs.
0: Yeah. no. Worries.
1: Vegas, Vegas. I, I'm not a Leonard fan. I, I don't get what's going on there, but I'm not a Leonard fan. I, I know he's good. I know he's been had great season. I just, I just, I don't, I, I can't figure that deal out. Flurry him. I don't. I'm lost on that one. You know, he's a big guy. weighs 300 pounds. I mean, like seriously. What? I, I, I've, that one's befuddling to me. And then you got to, you got to take your captain out of the lineup. Yeah. He's working on the maintenance back. take. They put him on the sidelines, your captain, for the rest of the year, so Eichel can play till the cap just disappears. I don't get it. So they're still a good team, but Minnie, I don't think Minnie's ready yet. So I, I think it's Calgary or or Colorado.
0: What have you made of uh, Noah Dobson's season? He's really had a breakout and starting to pop up on the scene as a as a fellow uh, PEI native.
1: Yeah, it looks really, really good. I mean, look, he, he was a terrific junior. I mean, a couple of Memorial Cups. I mean, world junior. I mean, the guy has been a terrific player. I remember somebody telling me at, at the Canada Games they saw this kid from Summerside and that I didn't know anything about him. And I really didn't. And, uh, you know, I talked to him this summer, actually, in PEI at the Boys and Girls Club tournament. He's a fine, fine kid. He's a terrific talent. He might get 15 goals this year. He's going to be the best defenseman on the Islanders for a long time. He really is. He's got he's he has got a great uh, demeanor. He thinks the game well. He's a terrific skater. He's got size. He can put up points. I, I think he's a hell of a player. He might be the best player to come out of PEI, I guess, since probably Brad Richards. You know. Right he's yeah. that he's that good yeah
0: he's that good no it's good to see because you, you know, a lot of good Maritimers in the NHL right now obviously you got a couple tough guys in McEwen and and Johnston from PEI and then obviously Marshan and uh what, what you know what he's up to uh scoring yeah. goals and then uh you know getting into his skirmishes as he as he likes to do uh with, with the Bruins but it, it's a good time to be a, to be a Maritimer uh playing hockey right now there's a lot of good talent you know-
1: you know I love that, uh, and I don't know if you know the guys that do it. That Maritime Hockey uh, website they have, and they they yeah. tell people you know tell the where, and I I follow it because I'm I'm blowing away, and I, I don't mean just the Marchands and the Crosby's and the top guys, but to follow kids that are in the East Coast League and in Europe and all over the place. I mean I I they do a marvelous job. Those guys they really do, and I, I you know I so I. I mean, there's hundreds of kids playing pro hockey and I, I, people don't realize how tough it is to play pro hockey, NHL, but even to play in the American League, even to play in the East Coast League, to play in Europe. My son played in Austria. It's, a, it's tough to play pro hockey anywhere. So I, I admire kids that, that make it. And no matter how high they get, they, they, they go for it. And it's kind of, it's always fun to watch, you know, and they do a hell of a job of it. I really enjoy it.
0: Yeah. I follow the page as well. And I I couldn't agree more. They, they tell you about so many players you you didn't even know. And then you start start to follow them and you kind of, it's good to see. Uh, Before we wrapped, I wanted to tell you that um, my, uh, my sister actually plays at uh, UNB. So back at your stomping ground. Wow. Yeah, she's Wow playing there this year so uh oh
1: that's uh, that's exciting it's uh, you know what it's funny and you tell her this when I went when I got when I got the UNB job I was I think 29 28 or 29 years of age it was it was my dream job and I remember Jill and I going out to dinner first night in Fredericton and I'm saying oh my god I got this job I I I I, I think I'll be here the rest of my life you know, mm-hmm. it, is that bizarre? And then a year after one year, I got offered the uh, assistant coaching job in St. Louis, just kind of fluky, and left after one year. So we loved the year at UNB, and I think of that often. And I remember Bill McGilvery, the AD, saying, "St. Louis offered me the job," and I told him, "You know, Bill, I'm I got an NHL offer." He said, "Well, can you ask them if they'll delay it for a year?" I, uh, Bill, it's the NHL; they yeah. don't delay it for a year. <laughs>
0: well yeah, yeah, yeah. i'll pass that Oh, uh, no that's that's um and before we go i have to i have to ask do you ever miss working in the media
1: you know what i i had a little I had a little fun with doing the uh, podcast with uh, Kipper for a couple of years and I do his show every Friday. I go on with him. It's a pain in the ass to be quite honest, but I do go on because it makes me have to watch games when you go on. I don't, I, I, I I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. um, But I, I really don't miss it. I'm busy with, I've got lots of real estate stuff going on and I'm, I'm uh, enjoying watching my son's players and I'm, you know what? I'm enjoying life. And I, I had 20 some years in hockey. You know, I worked for 40 straight years. So I'm kind of enjoying myself, to be quite honest. I really am. I spent the afternoon at the beach today. What the hell? I play golf Wednesday morning, Sunday morning. It's
0: not that bad, you know. That sounds pretty good. Um, <laughs> no. Well, the only I-
1: problem is you're old. When you get to enjoy that, you're too damn old. You know, That's mm-hmm. the problem.
0: Yeah, I'll have to let my parents know that, that they need to, they need to, get, they need to get after it a little earlier in life. But yeah, exactly. um, Doug, I always appreciate our conversations. Uh, great insight, as always. And um, enjoy the links, enjoy the beach. And uh, we'll have to do this again.
1: OK, man, all the best to you, too. Thanks. Take care.
0: Everybody, thanks for tuning in. Uh, thanks again to Doug McLean. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow on To The Point.